Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. (laughs) Bonjour. I'm so grateful to share with you and to discover A Course in Miracles with you. Thank you for joining me today. Let's bless ourselves. I place my hand on my heart and I am grateful. I'm grateful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self. So grateful and thankful to lay all worries and concerns on the altar. We open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our very life to the love of God living through us and as us. We are grateful and thankful to rise above the battlefield. We are grateful and thankful that our life has a holy purpose and we have everything we need to live it. We are grateful to dedicate ourselves to being truly helpful, knowing the truth, living the truth, anchoring the truth, sharing the truth, broadcasting the very love of God. We are grateful and thankful to be that fulcrum point of healing in our family, in our workplace, in our community. We are grateful that this is the truth of our life and being. And all is well. We share the benefits with everyone. We share the benefits of our healing, our expansion, our clarity, and our loving heart with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. So our topic this week is the dynamics of the ego, and this is the title of section 5 in chapter 11, the dynamics of the ego. And I feel like this is going to be so helpful to us because many of us perceive the ego as the enemy. And I am very much grateful for realizing that I needed to stop talking and thinking about the ego as though it were a being that had some kind of volition, right? And so I have found it very helpful to realize the ego is a thought system, It's like a software that we can run on our hard drive. And it's like plugging into the matrix and living inside the matrix. The movie from the movie, The Matrix, is so helpful to us as a metaphor and analogy for our own experience in this world that the matrix is a computer software that we can plug our awareness into and think that we're inside of it when we're really not. And so this is our experience here in the illusion. And so the ego is a thought system like a software that we can fully identify with and become lost and entrenched in and try to satisfy and try to make the best of and all of that. Or we can learn the dynamics of the ego and undo it, transcend it. And when we undo the ego, what we're really doing is we're undoing our attachment to viewing ourselves and life through the lens of the ego. I hope that's really clear. That's what I'm about. Because then I feel empowered. Then I don't feel like a victim when I can understand what things are really for. So I'm getting ready to do my Finding Freedom Boot Camp. We start next week. 
I encourage you, I don't think there's ever been a, a, a more potent time to do this. So many people have the time and the energy and the bandwidth right now, and so many people need to shift their focus to doing the work that they're here to do, which is the spiritual upliftment of their family, their community, their workplace, and things like that. So this, I feel so blessed to be able to do this Finding Freedom Boot Camp now and undoing this attachment to the ego thought system is something that we really can do. It does help to do it together with others. One of the things I've been hearing in my Masterful Living classes lately and in my Sacred Circle uh, membership program is that people have been saying that they've been hearing me talk about in this um, podcast, uh, as well as in classes, uh, it seems to be a real theme this year, is to recognize with so much divisiveness and attack in the world, to recognize that when we are defending ourselves, it is a secret desire to attack that's actually motivating our defensiveness. And so recognizing that this is what's going on can help us come back into our right mind. So... I feel a little defensive sometimes because people definitely attack me, blame me, all of that. Uh, I experience some of that in my family sometimes, and uh, I experience some of it from uh, folks in the world who are attackers, trolls and whatnot on social media. So uh, realizing, oh, if I'm feeling a rising energy to defend myself, this is evidence that what I'm really interested in is attack. What I'm really interested in is attack. So I'm looking for a justification for my attack because I'm a spiritual person and spiritual people don't attack. But we can use thinly veiled attacks uh, to let people know that they're so, so wrong. They're so, so wrong. And you'll see that energy rise up. And you can go, ah, I don't need to say anything. I don't need to defend myself. I can just... Maybe share a fact or two gently and or say, hey, I appreciate you sharing. Yep, it's such a wonderful thing to be able to gain control over our mind and not be reacting all the time. So let's look at the dynamics of the ego because what I just described to you are some of the dynamics of the ego. And when we realize what's going on, then we're not defending ourselves. We're not escalating the argument. We're not attacking. So then we don't feel guilty later. These dynamics of agreeing with the ego, identifying with the ego, they take up all our bandwidth. And right now we need our bandwidth to be the light of the world from this moment forward. Not just for this time so that we can rise above the battlefield now, so that we can quickly end racism and ageism and sexism and all these things. Not just so we can do that, but so we can do what we're here to do, which is be the light. When we can fully and completely be the light, that is far more productive and effective than anything else we can do. That's what the Course tells us. So again, we're in Chapter 11, Section 5, The Dynamics of the Ego. No one can escape from illusions unless he looks at them. For not looking is the way they are protected. 
So this is one of the things that I really admire Gary Renard for is he's constantly calling out the illusion, reminding us this is an illusion, this is an illusion, this is an illusion. And so we're all having this experience in the illusion and we don't want to be like the guy in the Matrix who didn't wish to escape from the Matrix because he wanted to up-level his experience in the Matrix, that character Cypher, who says, I want to be a rock star, I want to have a stake, I want to have a really good experience in the Matrix. It's understandable, it's totally understandable, and the only reason you would choose that is you have no idea that something much better awaits you. Something much better. And so... That's it. We don't want to just have a groovy experience in the matrix (laughs) and have a nicer house and have a nicer spouse and have a, you know, the stuff of this world. We can enjoy all the stuff of the world, but let's not make it the priority. Let's not make it the priority. Spiritual awakening is the priority. Seeking first the kingdom and all else is added. So first we have to recognize, okay, illusion, let me not make everything so real. So when we do start to feel a rise to defend ourselves or to attack, to argue about how right and how wrong whoever is, that's when we can realize, oh, do I really want to spend my precious time and energy Arguing in the illusion, or would I rather partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self, turn on the light of love in my heart and my mind, recognize my true identity, recognize the true identity of my brother, my sister, and be the light of the world, be truly helpful. Live my destiny. Live the highest and best that I possibly can. And fly on the wings of the Holy Spirit. Or would I rather roll around in the illusory mud, which gets me nowhere? It actually becomes a step back, right? Unless I let that energy of feeling... Remorse, feeling anger, resentment, guilt, blame, shame, all that tension that all that emotional energy winds us up into and let it propel me to stop making that choice. So our prayer is to see the choice, that we clearly have a choice to usher in the golden age of enlightenment, to do what we came here to do, to represent the one who sent us and be truly helpful, or we can roll around in the mud. So that's the choice. And so our prayer is to clearly recognize the choice and go the other way. That's what we're all about now. So there's, it says here, there is no need to shrink from illusions, for they cannot be dangerous. We are ready to look more closely at the ego's thought system, because together we have the lamp, we have the light, we have the love that will dispel it. And since you realize you do not want it, you must be ready. Let's be ready, right? We've prepared our whole life for this time. Let's truly be at the ready. Let Jesus says, let us be very calm in doing this, for we are merely looking honestly for truth. So let us be calm. We can be peaceful in doing our work. We don't have to be desperate. He says, the dynamics of the ego will be our lesson for a while, for we must look first at this to see beyond it. Since you have made it real, we will undo this error quietly together and then look beyond it to truth. 
What is healing but the removal of all that stands in the way of knowledge? See, this is what I love about the Course. It's so clear that we don't have to add something to us. We don't need to get something. It's already all been given to us. In the Course, Jesus says, ask and it is given because it's already been given. You already have it. We already have it. I like to say we're already as holy as holy can be. So when there's a sense of lack, that's the thing to tell yourself. I'm already as holy as holy can be. So there is no lack. I have it all already. And the error is that we don't. And Jesus is saying, we'll undo this error quietly, together, and look beyond it to truth. Doesn't that sound sweet? (laughs) Yes. So then he says, what is healing but the removal of all that stands in the way of knowledge, right? So we have all the knowledge together already. So let's just remove the blocks to love, remove the blocks to knowledge. He says, and how else can one dispel illusions except by looking at them directly without protecting them? Makes sense. Be not afraid, therefore, for what you will be looking at is the source of fear. And you are beginning to learn that fear is not real. You are also learning that its effects can be dispelled Merely by denying their reality. The next step is obviously to recognize that what has no effects does not exist. So fear is not real. It's not everlasting. It's not based in truth. It's part of the illusion. It's a misinterpretation of what's going on. It's a misunderstanding of what's actually occurring. When we're mistaken, we can feel anxious and afraid. And we can use fear as a tool to help us undo our attachment to the illusion, to the delusion. Because that fear then becomes what I call the divine alarm clock. Oh, I feel anxious, I feel afraid, I must be believing something that's not true. So he says here, Laws do not operate in a vacuum. And what leads to nothing has not happened. If reality is recognized by its extension, what leads to nothing could not be real. So fear doesn't lead to anything. It doesn't lead to discovery. It doesn't lead to more beauty, more truth, more peace, anything real. But fear can be a wake-up call that we're choosing to focus our attention on what's not real. He says here, Do not be afraid then to look upon fear, for it cannot be seen. Clarity undoes confusion by definition, and to look upon darkness through light must dispel it. So come back in your mind, be willing to say, okay, this fear is an illusion, it's a delusion, it's not real, and like the darkness that's not real, it can be dispelled by the light instantaneously. Right? You turn in, you go into a dark room, a pitch black room, you turn on the light, the darkness is dispelled immediately by the light. The light does not have to coerce the darkness to go. The light does not have to argue or plea or bargain or anything like that. 
light automatically dispels darkness. Darkness is the perceived absence of light, and so is fear. Just think of that. Darkness can seem so intense and so real and so oppressive. It really can seem like a thing, right? With power. The power to terrorize us. It really does seem that way. And we can turn on the light and instantaneously it's gone. It's over. The darkness cannot fight the light. It has nothing. Because it is nothing. And that is the truth of fear. How the feeling of fear takes us over is that we give our power away by choosing to place our attention on things that aren't true. So he says, let us begin this lesson in ego dynamics by understanding that the term itself does not mean anything. (laughs) Don't you love that? It contains the very contradiction in terms that makes it meaningless. Dynamics implies the power to do something. And the whole separation fallacy lies in the belief that the ego has the power to do anything. The ego is fearful to you because you believe this. Yet the truth is very simple. All power is of God. What is not of God has no power to do anything. So the ego has no power. It is not a being with preferences and volition and choice. It is a thought system. When we place the energy of our awareness inside of it, just like when we boot up software on our computer and start to run it, we'll experience the effects of that software, that thought system, but only because we've booted it up and we are looking at things through the software. So that's one thing I used to do when I was really doing this undoing of the ego, like full-time focus on it, Uh, which... It's great. You full-time focus on it, and then you don't have to keep doing that forever because the more you undo your attachment to seeing life through the ego lens, the more you can put your attention on other things because it's dissolving and resolving that we're giving our power to our higher self instead of the ego attachments. So... He says here, when we look at the ego then, we are not considering dynamics but delusions. You can surely regard a delusional system without fear, for it cannot have any effects if its source is not real. So fear cannot, a delusional system, you can surely regard a a delusional system without fear. The ego is a delusional system. We don't have to be afraid of it. For it cannot have any effects on its own because it's not real. We have to give our power to it. And that's what brings the effects. When we invest our attention, our awareness into it, then we see the effects of using our power in that way. He says, fear becomes more obviously inappropriate if you recognize the ego's goal, which is so clearly senseless that any effort on its behalf is necessarily expended on nothing. Have you ever had that experience where you're arguing and arguing about being right and somebody's wrong or defending yourself and explaining yourself and you're going on and on and on sometimes for hours and days and weeks and investing all this energy in it and at the end of it you just feel like you've completely wasted all of your energy. You've got nothing for it. It's so empty. Empty, empty, empty. 
That's what he's talking about here. The ego's goal is quite explicitly ego autonomy. From the beginning then, its purpose is to be separate, sufficient unto itself, and independent of any power except its own. This is why it is the symbol of separation. Yeah, that's the whole goal of the ego thought system, is to hold the belief in separation in place in our minds and to make it seem so real. So we can look at it and go, oh, I see you trying to make, you're nothing trying to be something. But I'm everything because I am part of God. And you, ego, are no part of me. You're just a thought system. A bag of bones. Bag of bones, that's it. Yep, this is the the basic fundamentals of the ego dynamics and how we relate to it. It's so important to clearly understand it right now as we are at choice point. And it's time for me to take a break. I invite you to consider coming into my Finding Freedom class. We do start in one week. The details are at jenniferhadley.com. I am Jennifer Hadley. And you are listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio. We're living the love, walking the talk, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. Thank you for Joining me, we are absolutely becoming experts at the dynamics of the ego so we can undo our unholy alliance. (laughs) Yes, so ego is a, a, a mechanism, it is a thought system that allows us to experience separation. And as Jesus says here in Chapter 11, Section 5, every idea has a purpose, and its purpose is always the natural outcome of what it is. So, separation is the purpose of the ego thought system. He says, everything that stems from the ego is the natural outcome of its central belief, and the way to undo its results is merely to recognize that their source is not natural, being out of accord with your true nature. I said before that to will contrary to God is wishful thinking and not real willing. His will, God's will, is one because the extension of God's will cannot be unlike itself. The real conflict you experience then is between the ego's idle wishes and the will of God, which you share. Can this be a real conflict? So any conflict that we have comes from this discrepancy that our will is the will of God. Because we're part of God, we can't have a separate will. But in the illusion, we can experience the illusion of a separate will. But that doesn't make it real. So that's why there's a sense of conflict that comes up all the time. Because our will is the will of God. And if we're choosing something that seems to go against love, against peace, against harmony, against wisdom, against beauty and truth, then we're going to experience conflict. right? So that's why I say recognize that conflict. And you recognize that you're thinking thoughts that aren't true, that you have a, you're trying to work a separate will and it's just not possible. Only in the illusion, but everything is going to be made holy. Everything. Everything that we think is unholy will be made holy. So, and, and what do I mean by that? that we're ultimately going to realize that everything works together for good and there are no exceptions and everything in our script 
Everything we experience is gently planned by one whose only purpose is our good, and that while someone may have meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Everything, right? Isn't that what Joseph said uh, when his brothers, Joseph in the the of uh, the famous. Uh, technicolor dream coat, right? Joseph, who was thrown down the well and left for dead by his brothers. And because his brothers did that to him, because they were afraid of him, they were afraid his father, would, their father, would leave the inheritance to Joseph. And they wanted to have it for themselves. So they th- threw him down the well. They beat him up and threw him down the well, hoping he would die there and nobody would ever find him. He would have just disappeared, and then they could get their inheritance from the father. But Joseph got out of the well, because as God would have it, Joseph had a mission. He had things in his script, and you know he was very intuitive, which led him to a position as... Um, a, I forget the title, but he was a, a right-hand person to the king, and uh, he rose to great power, which he used for good and to help the king in the kingdom. And he also used it to help his family. And when the famine came, he was able to rescue his family from the famine. And that's when his brothers said to him, Joseph, how could you help us after we tried to kill you we thought we did kill you and he said you meant it for evil but God meant it for good because he wouldn't have gone to help the king he wouldn't have been able to rescue his family if he had stayed with his family which he surely would have done had his brothers not tried to kill him it's a crazy world but our script is always going to bring the ship right eventually, right? It's all going to come out in the wash eventually. It's all going to be returned to pristine awareness eventually. So we can delay, right? We can resist and be reluctant, and we can invest our time and energy and money and attention into things that are not helpful at all, distractions and delays, Or we can get on with our father's business. And there's never been so much incentive right now to be able to be very focused in our mind, very clear in our mind that our help is needed. And so we the the thing that we must focus on first and foremost is being right-minded, being miracle-minded. And I'm so glad that this is what we are doing together. This is why I'm recording this podcast, broadcasting this radio show, and you're listening because we are of the same mind. We're not interested in conflict anymore. We're interested in conflict resolution by means of the truth. So Jesus says, going on here, we're now in paragraph 6 of Chapter 11, Section 5. He says, Yours is the independence of creation, not of autonomy. Right? So we're independence of creation. So we get to be creators like God in this world. He says, Your whole creative function lies in your complete dependence on God, whose function he shares with you. So we can independently use creation, but we're not autonomous from God. So we're not separate from God. But we can have that experience of creating independently. It's it's cool. He says, "By by God's willingness to share this function of creativity and love extending in joy God becomes became as dependent on you as you are in him so we have an interdependence but we can independently create 
He says, do not ascribe the ego's arrogance to him who wills not to be independent of you. So don't attribute the ego's arrogance to God. God is not arrogant. Because God does not wish to have any existence apart from you and me. It's a a oneness system. I feel that so strongly and I love it. I'm so grateful for it. God is never trying to get away from us. Never trying to banish us or punish us. Those are ego thought system ideas. Because, of course, they're predicated on the, the, the belief that you could be separate, but you can't be separate. Can you, so he says, he has included you in his own autonomy. (laughs) Can you believe that autonomy is meaningful apart from God? The belief in ego autonomy is costing you the knowledge of your dependence on God in which your freedom lies. The ego sees all dependency as threatening and has twisted even your longing for God into a means of establishing itself. But do not be deceived by its interpretation of your conflict. So, knowing that we are dependent on pure spirit, and that this is where our freedom lies, we can turn away from the ego thought system and say, I'm going to put my trust and faith in God. That's where my freedom lies. My freedom actually lies in depending upon spirit. My freedom actually lies in depending upon, relying upon spirit to guide me, to direct me, that I don't have to have my own ideas. This is one of the things that I've really noticed in my own life experience in the last 15 years or so, 20 years or so, is that the ideas that I have, that I used to think, oh, that's my idea. Now I know it's just an idea that I caught, I do not need to say, that's my idea. Like, it's God's idea, I caught it. I'm part of God. So yeah, I could say, it's my idea. But I don't feel that way about the inspired ideas. I just don't. I really notice that. Because for me, my personal experience of living my life... I started doing, I mentioned earlier, my Finding Freedom Boot Camp in 2008. And I was getting all of these amazing insights about how to undo the ego, how to really work with the ego thought system and, and like pluck it out of my awareness. Get it out of there. All the places where this insidious viral software was running in my awareness. I kept getting all these amazing insights about how to disconnect from it and how to really live a life of profound love. And I knew they weren't my ideas. They were revelations of truth. Realizations of truth. And I was getting them because of my willingness to surrender a need to feel separate. And one of the ways that I kept separation going was to think I wasn't good enough. To think that there wasn't something, there was something wrong with me. So I had to actually move into that place of true humility where, unlike the ego thought system, I could say, I'm not better than and I'm not less than. I'm one with. Right? That realization and implementing it into my experience of my days became something like a crowbar which helped me to get the ego thought system off of me to it became a kind of 
uh, antiviral medicine that helped me to get that virus of the ego thought system of separation out of me. I started to look at everything going, not better than, not less than, one with. I'm not better than this person. I'm not less than this person. I'm one with this person. And it's not quite, I am them and they are me, right? It's not quite, uh, I am the walrus, <laughs> but cuckoo could you. But it's, we coexist in the oneness. No one can be better than, no one can be less than. This is not something that can be accomplished. So then when you realize it can't be accomplished. You stop trying. Right. So I just did my Stop Playing Small online retreat, which I have to say was so dang good. I'm going to do it again in September. It's so dang good. Oh, my God. I love doing that retreat in person. First time doing it online. Thank you, God, for making it so powerful and so good. And nobody had to leave their home. Nobody had to get on a plane, though it still would be nice to do it together in person. It's so much fun. We, it was different, but it was still so potent. And in the Stop Playing Small, we're letting go of all these ego attachments. Boom, 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 boom. Like really letting them go. And these are the kinds of things that I learned that I then put in my Finding Freedom Boot Camp class. And I was amazed at how these insights, these ideas would come through. And I realized these are not my ideas. I didn't make them up. I am receiving them. I am receiving them. And you know what that's like, right? And so if we can even just move to that place of I'm, I'm a... a a lightning rod receiver for God's good ideas. That's a wonderful affirmation. I'm a lightning rod receiver for God's good ideas. You see, because if we feel that we are worthy of receiving God's good ideas, we are undoing those dynamics of the ego. Because the ego thought system is one where you are you're interested in the autonomy, so you have to come up with your own ideas. So going back here to paragraph 6, he says that we are included in God, in God's autonomy, in God's perfection. And he says, can you believe that autonomy is meaningful apart from him? God has included you in his autonomy. Can you believe that autonomy is meaningful apart from him? So would you be interested in the ego autonomy when you've been included in God's autonomy? Well, if you fear God, hate God, dislike God, don't trust God, yeah, you would. So for me, rather than spend any more time working on that, I decided, okay, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. Because I've been trying to trust myself, and I'm not doing so well. I'm not doing so well. So I'm going to give this a go. I don't think I've ever trusted God. So I'm going to give that a whirl. And that really worked for me. I just started saying, God, it's on you. And I will tell you, I, I do this to this day. So some of you may be tracking little bits and pieces of my life, not that you need to or that it would bring you anything of worth, but uh, I'm in Vermont. I rented a house here in May. I made the arrangements in the wintertime to rent this house from a friend of mine. This house has been on the market for five, six, seven years. They've been trying to offload this house. It's um, it's too big a house for a family. It's a six-bedroom house, has three levels. It's really for like an ashram or something like that. So I had invited a couple of friends who, to, oh, come live with me. You know, we can each have plenty of space. 
And uh, so I thought, I signed a one-year lease. I have not had a a one-year lease on a place since I lived in Hawaii uh, in 2015. I left there in 2016. And uh, so I've been rambling ever since then, a little bit here, a little bit there. But every summer I come to Vermont pretty much. Uh, I think the only summer I didn't come to Vermont was 2014 when I was in England. And uh, it was just too big a trip. I just didn't, it took me too long to get settled in England. So I didn't come to Vermont for the summer because I had the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful English countryside and I was happy to be there. And I was on a mission to go to Stonehenge almost every day and make prayers at Stonehenge, which I did. Anyway, so I rented this house for a year. And literally, within less than a month of moving in, they sold the house. Two weeks after I moved in, they put it back on the market. Maybe less than that, about two weeks. And they sold it like that. It had been on the market, on and off the market, for six, seven years. As soon as I sign a lease and move in, they sell it. And it's because of the virus that city folk are like, okay, we got to have a country place now because we need that. We need to get out of here and be able to go and quarantine and stuff like that. So I have to move out of here in August. And they actually sent me the two months notice a couple weeks late. So I didn't get my full two months because it's my friend. And I'm not going to make it hard for her that she didn't do the legal process. So I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm going. Don't have a home. Homeless. Once again. And I'd really like to stay in this neighborhood. But there's hardly anything here. There are few places I could buy, but I don't have the resources to buy a house. Uh, I don't know if anybody who's listening, there is an apartment building in town, a four-apartment building that uh, could work, but I don't have the resources. So if you're interested in buying a property, let me know. Uh, Yeah, so that's my situation. And I'm just trusting that God knows what it's doing because it always does. I don't know where I'm going. Don't have a clue. But I trust that God will let me know in God's good time. And I'm open and receptive only to the highest and best. So I'm telling you all this, not because you would find it interesting, but to just tell you, I really am trusting. I'm really living this way. And I won't say it doesn't feel challenging, I definitely really would like to settle down and I'd really like to settle down in this particular valley. It's a sacred valley. Truly, it's a healing. To me, it's a magical place. I would like to live here. And if God sends me somewhere else, I will go there. I didn't want to go to Hawaii. God sent me to Hawaii in 2015. And then when I got there, I loved it. I didn't want to leave. And God (laughs) had me leaving in 2016. And so you might be wondering, well, what am I talking about? God had me leaving. Well, it's just a knowing. I I have to leave now. It's just a, a thought that arises in my mind. And then it's so clear and so strong that I just know this is the thing. I have to leave now. I have to go now. I have to go there now. And I've really learned to trust it. And I'm grateful. It's really been a huge part of my healing is to have that trust and the development of trust. That's why I I make it such a part of everything I do. It's always a part of the curriculum when I teach a class. So Paragraph 7, the ego always attacks on behalf of separation. Believing it has the power to do this, it does nothing else. Because its goal of autonomy is nothing else. The ego is totally confused about reality, but it does not lose sight of its goal. It is much more vigilant than you are. 
because it is perfectly certain of its purpose. You are confused because you do not recognize yours. So when I read this, the ego is much more vigilant than I am because the ego is perfectly certain of its purpose. Well, it's more certain of its purpose than I am, right? It says He says, you're confused because you do not recognize your purpose. So I read that and I think, okay, so the antidote to this virus is to be certain of my purpose. My purpose is to forgive myself. And in the forgiving of myself, I undo the attachment to the belief in separation. Boom! That's it. Boom. It really is. It's that simple. I have to forgive myself for all the ways in which I have thought better than and less than were good ideas. Those were my ideas. (laughs) Those were my ideas. When I placed my thought, my thoughts, my awareness into the ego thought system, all you're going to get is thoughts of separation. Same old, same old, same old, nothing new ever. And isn't that why it's so depressing? It is. I'm working on a, a cure for emotional upset class depression, anxiety, worry, fear, doubt, shame, all that. Hope to offer that this summer. So I'm going to pause here in this dynamics of the ego, more to come. And I would like to share, don't forget we have the free text messages and you can sign up. Uh, you you can make a recurring donation that way. So that's one way to support this podcast is to sign up for the Course of Miracles text messages. I also would like to share with you that uh, I'm recording all new classes for Finding Freedom. So this is a great time to do it. Uh, I'm doing them at 1 o'clock Eastern, so you can join me live. This is great for the Europeans. I've never done them in the daytime doing that. Uh, to support that European community. And thank you for supporting this podcast. It means a lot to me to be able to share, and I'm grateful for those who appreciate it. Your donations are so helpful. Let's take that breath and know the truth, that we are one with each other and all life. God is our true identity. We share the benefits with everyone. We let it be. Amen, amen, amen. Mwah.